A very merry draftmas to you. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Draft Show, and we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, basically, everything has changed. The entire outlook of the NFL draft for the Kansas City Chiefs has uh, has completely changed. Day one is coming gone for Kansas City. <laughs> gone. <laughs> and they hit on their first round pick. Hopefully. Frank Clark. Uh, Chances the, are good. The cha- the Chiefs have traded for Frank Clark. Uh, the I, Everybody knows that by now, I'm sure, if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, the uh, the Edge, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks, formerly of the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, there's so much to unpack here. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. Find him on Twitter at Jacob Morley. Jake Stack. Hello, buddy. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is chaos. I've barely had time to process my thoughts. Uh, yeah. But I mean, we, we've I there I have a lot of them. Right. I, I the one thing that is like prevailing for me right now is that the Chiefs are basically in the exact same situation with draft capital that they were last year. I did the math, and if you look at the uh, the adjusted draft draft chart by Rich Hill, uh, which we have in the KC draft guide, which by the way, sidebar. Uh, you can still purchase the KC Draft Guide if you want to know about all the prospects that will be available on day two and it, when the Chiefs make those. You might picks. need it even more now. You probably need exactly. You might need it more. <laughs> that you might need it more now. It's not as easy. It's not those round one guys. If you want in depth analysis on three of the players the Chiefs that will likely take uh, on day two, go to gum.co/kcdraft and you can get. Uh, analysis on 225 plus players with write-ups and then rankings and all kinds of good stuff. But anyways, back to it. In the in the in the KC draft guide, I wrote about draft math. I wrote about you know their analysis on the trade chart. Basically, the the assets that the Chiefs have in the first in the top 100 in the first two days of the draft are nearly identical. The the uh, the draft capital, like how much it's worth, is. A little bit higher last year than it was this year, but not by much. Seven points or the 172nd pick in the draft. So the Chiefs are are staring at the same situation in the face that they did last year when they drafted Breland Speaks and Derek Nottie and, and Dorian O'Daniel. And I'm frankly a little terrified because, Jake, we're going to have to literally face the same thing that we went through last year and hopefully, Brett Veach has learned his lessons. And you would hope he he's learned his lessons in like patience, because I think he right. got he got he got angsty, you know, antsy, antsy last year, and and just traded up, and and it's gonna get it's a little bit worse. Because he's got a long wait again. He's got a longer wait this time, so it's gonna be very fascinating. And later in the show, we're gonna talk about some trade up scenarios. Now that we kind of know where the Chiefs have selected or have you know draft capital, and and we'll get into some of that later. But the Chiefs traded. Uh, the 29th pick in the draft and a 2020 second round pick, one of which is going to be the worst of their second round picks. So most likely they will be giving up their second round pick at 64. Hey, oh, um, and then keeping whatever the Niners pick is. Um, and then they swapped third round picks. The Chiefs actually picked up some some value there. They now pick 84th instead of 92nd in the third round. So I, I actually looking more at the structure of it. I like how this trade worked out from a value perspective. They basically traded um, Frank Clark 
they they traded the, the the value of the 24th pick in the draft for Frank Clark. Jake, I know you do you ha- you don't really like the trade though in general. No, like I I'm going to be clear when I say this. I will say I don't like the trade, but there's also aspects of it that I do like. Okay. Um so I would say like I'm 60/40 in the camp of kind of scratching my head. One because I get the Frank Clark thing, he's a better scheme fit than D Ford, but realistically, four three, three four, there's the distinction between the two teams playing sub packages. So that to me, so I look at it through the lens of they basically traded D Ford in a first for Frank Clark. And is Frank Clark that much better than D Ford in this scheme? I don't know. Like that's a question that's gonna need to be answered next year, and I think that's a fair question to ask. Um, second thing I don't like about it is obviously the the background of Frank Clark. I think yeah. bringing him into this locker room, like that, if you have concerns about that, those are legit. I will say he's he's been great since he's been in the league, uh, but he still has a background. And frankly, frankly, <laughs> oh, I get it. Uh, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, that wasn't even that funny. Um, so <laughs> uh, I think as a Chiefs fan, you can have that concern of why are they bringing in these types of guys? Why are they clearly just kind of throwing that character thing out the window? Sure. And I think that's a fair question to ask as a Chiefs fan because ultimately we're fans. We want to root for these players. And when these players that they bring in are more difficult to root for, that's a problem, you know, and and ultimately winning will fix that. But, and that's, and so those are kind of the concerns I have. Hey, let me, but, let me just jump in real quick. And we, I want I want to hear what you like about the trade because I, there's some things I like too. And I, I think I've actually become more comfortable with the 20, you know, giving up that value. But I think with the Frank Clark situation, there's some context as things are coming out about Frank Clark, uh, that make me feel a little bit more comfortable the charges were dropped and moved down to a fourth degree, some kind of misdemeanor of some kind. So he never actually got char, or, you know, got convicted of any of the of the horrific potential domestic violence issues. Um, he's actually married uh, to the woman that that whole incident went down with, um, and he's been a model citizen since. Uh, and so I, I think I, I'm, I'm a little bit more comfortable than I was 24 hours with all this stuff. Sounds like someone else. It sounds like Tyreek. It's the exact same story. Yeah. So and it was great until and that, but that's it hasn't thing. been, I think, yeah. So like, I think the risk is still there. Obviously I think the same way the risk was there with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill was trending to be a, a really cool story, mm-hmm. you know, uh, even more than, you know, like I see Frank Clark has not been perfect. He's clapped back on Twitter a little bit to some people and been a little bit um, insensitive, irreverent. I don't wait, whatever you want to call it. Tyreek Hill, other than, you know, had, hadn't had any of that kind of stuff. I was really excited to see this Tyreek Hill story play out because I thought he was going to be a really positive, you know, story through all this. But um, so I do feel a little bit better about all that than than I did. But still, there's there's a lot there. Anyways, Jake, what did you like about this trade? The biggest thing I like is Frank Clark is a really good football player. <laughs> you know, he is. And they gave up more than I would have want, wanted to give up for a player of that, even of his caliber. Mm-hmm. But that maybe is more of a personal preference. I really am attached to draft picks and even maybe to a fault. No. And, I mean, and Bill Belichick has proven that if you can get a player, a proven player for a draft pick, that works out more often than not. So Bill Belichick does kind of know what he's doing. Um, 
So I like that. And on on paper, their defense looks to be a lot better than it was last year at this point in time. If they can get some guys that can actually cover receivers, their defense might actually have a chance of being a top half of the league type defense, which if their offense can perform at a similar capacity, that should be more than enough to to win a lot of football games and put them directly in the middle of the conversation to be, you know, favorites to be Super Bowl champions like as they as they are. I think um, they are the favorite to win the Super Bowl if it stood right now. I just do. I think this is a move that puts them over the edge and they are going going for it right now they're in yeah you can't and i think they were anyway yeah but, and, but you can't question it now there's no way you can question that the chiefs are all in because they are i mean they have they've gone after guys they've been extremely aggressive this offseason and you can kind of see them playing the numbers games and just trying to figure out you know we have x amount of time until patrick mahomes becomes the highest played player in nfl history it's and gonna it's basically happen basically this year it's, yeah and it's gonna happen so you really you have this year and you talked about this but and we talked about Tyree Kill already, but it would appear that they just gave Tyree Kill's contract and his money to Frank Clark. Yeah, so it feels I, like it. I, you know, you can never say never. And someone said, so it seems like a Sammy or Tyreek type situation next year, or neither. I mean, it that's, could that's be why. Neither. That's why it really is. If you don't win it this year, it's going to be tough. And that's why I think they've put a ton of pressure on themselves too. Um, this year to to make it happen in one year is it sustainable for multiple years I, I don't know but you gotta you gotta apply their aggressiveness to to just get there and to put them over the top so um, if it works out this is gonna look like a brilliant move if it doesn't this does I mean just like draft picks have some bust potential this move has bust potential you know, if Frank Clark comes in and their defense is still very mediocre, which there's a path for that. They still don't have a very good secondary yeah. in Kansas City. That's going to need to get fixed up. If their defense is still giving up 40 points a game when their offense is only able to score 38, then this has you know potential to blow up in their faces because they gave up a first this year. This will be, you talk about the long-term construction of NFL rosters, this will be the second year in a row they don't have a first-round pick. That stuff does start to add up after a while. Right. Um, next year, you know they, they had two second-round picks, so they'll have a normal draft next year if Brett Veach doesn't trade their first-round pick next year. <laughs> maybe Patrick Peterson will be yeah. a chief next year with that first-round pick. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, those things are very possible. And, I mean, this this does change a lot of things for the approach to this draft. And we're going to spend this whole episode talking about a lot of that because, you know, the Chiefs now don't pick until 61. Or do they? Are they able to move up? Are they able to relinquish assets to move up? Or do they have to do a two-for-two two swap? There's all kinds of questions. We're going to be breaking all that stuff down on this week's episode. We're also going to talk to Maddie. He already broke down Frank Clark. He wrote an article about two weeks ago about Frank Clark. I got to say, and it's I'm glad it finally happened because I was giving you guys a hard time. I've been kind of busy at work the last couple of days, and every time I check the DMs, it was just... Yeah, but Frank Clark for a first? Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to give up more than a first. Yeah. And it's just like, wait a second, has this thing refreshed? Nope, they're still just talking about the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad it just finally happened so we can move on from it. <laughs> well, we got a lot to kind of, everything changes now. One of the things that we're going to do today, and we're all, I'm going to have everyone do it. So Maddie's going to come on and talk about Frank, and then we're going to ask him some of these questions. Craig, we're going to talk about trade-up scenarios and ask this, this following question. So everyone's going to answer this. Give me someone you would love in that 61-63 range, someone you would like in that 61-63 range, someone you'd have to be talked into, and then someone you would absolutely hate. So, Jake, kick us off. 
Give us give us those players. Okay, so the guy that I would love in that range is Amani Oruwarie from Penn State. He is in my top 30 um, for just overall players in this class. I'm a big fan of his. And he kind of seems like, based on some of the analysis that we've seen lately, it looks like he might be a late second-round pick to mm-hmm. the NFL because there's, there's a difference, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. And I'm not blind to that at all. Like, he's he's high on my board, but Same I also and understand the draft yep, and that he, he might be available. And he's in that second tier of guys. The, the same types of guys that we've talked about at 29, that yeah. second tier type corner, some of them may go that high, but some of them may last until the end of second round, too. So a lot of those guys, those corners, those second tier type guys, they're still in the conversation. Sure. Um, so he's a guy I, I love. I've talked about why I love him. He's just a guy that I think um, just moves extremely well. He's always and I mean, he's just he's he's in hip hop, hip pockets, all that stuff. A guy I would really like. I'm just sticking with the Amani's, so I'm going with Amani <laughs> Hooker um, for a guy I would really like. The, and he's a safety out of Iowa. Um, think, and this is going to be my Packers uh, type fanhood, but think uh, Micah Hyde, but an, a more athletic Micah Hyde, Ooh. a guy that can play multiple positions and just be kind of a playmaker on the back end. Those Iowa guys just tend to always be good, you know. So I'm a big fan of Iowa guys, big fan of Monty Hooker. So I would really like that. A guy you would have to talk me into is Mac Wilson from Alabama. The reason I like him and and you could talk me into him is just because of the physical, you know, the physical tools and his skill set. Um, he's got pretty much everything in his toolbox that he needs to be a good NFL linebacker. He has not put it all together, but at the end of the second round, I might immediately not like that pick, but I think I could be talked into that one. A guy I would hate, I'm sticking with the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm going with Deontay Thompson. I would just not like him in Kansas City, and some people might be asking why. You know, he's got good tape. He could be a cover one type safety. Sure, fine, but his process has been terrible. Yeah, and he, and his late tape wasn't particularly great His late tape was really either. bad. You know, he ran. He didn't run because he's got a sore wrist. So what does that tell you? Soft. He's, and he's slow. And he's slow. Why would you not run? You know, oh, my, my wrist is sore. Okay, because yeah, you're going to process- I mean, there's a lot. Because you're going to run a 4.8. Yeah. Um, so I just, I don't. I just would not like him. It would take him a year or two of being good in the NFL for me to admit that that was right. a, a pick that I was wrong about. Yeah, for me, I would love if Juan Thornhill was available there. And and this is kind of one of those, I'm not even totally sure if You he's, would love a 24-year-old rookie? Yeah, that doesn't happen very often, right? No. Uh, but I, I like him. I mean, I think he's got great tape, great athleticism. He's a guy that played corner. He's got those coverage skills that they value and covet at the safety position. Um, and I, I think, you know, like... I could see him going in the first round. I could see him, you know, I could see him falling all the 61. This is kind of like a high-end, unrealistic, but kind of would absolutely love if he's there kind of pick. I'd like it if Trayvon, Trayvon Mullen was there at that cornerback. I think his tape was solid. Um, I don't, I, I, I like him. I mean, I like him, so I, I, it's just, it's not a love for me, but getting a guy that can contribute early, I think he could ch- contribute next year. He's got the desirable length. He's got quality athletic traits. He played at a high level. His best tape was his last game of the year in the national championship. I mean, that's that's something to something to like there. So I'd be happy with it. You'd have to talk me into Lonnie Johnson out of Kentucky, and that's just in general. The the thing that is most desirable about him is his athletic profile, but I don't think his tape tape was particularly good. And I don't think his athleticism that he displayed at the combine really showed up on tape much either. The thing that you talked me into is, you know, Matt House, his coach, his defensive coordinator, 
at Kentucky is now the defensive coordinator here in Kansas City or the the linebacker coach here in Kansas City. I mean, if if he if he goes and gets picked by the Chiefs, it means that, you know, Matt House gave the seal of approval on that. And uh you guys all know who I would hate. If Jalen if Jalen Ferguson was selected by the Shocker. Chiefs. I know, right? Such a shock. What is this is a broke this show's a broken record. Time but, is a flat circle. Yeah. <laughs> Time is a flat circle. Uh, Jalen Ferguson, if if his 8.083 cone was the first pick of the Chiefs draft after trading all that draft capital to take a defensive end uh, or to, to to you know sign a defensive end, like that would just infuriate. Shout me. out to the I don't remember who it was, but shout out to the guy that did this with us this week as we had those emojis and instead of typing in Jalen Ferguson's name, he just put 8.08. <laughs> Oh my! I forgot I, about that. I legit lolled when that I did happened. too. Yeah. It was funny. It was really good. It was good. Yep. Uh, we're gonna add, we're gonna ask Maddie all about Frank Clark. Let him break him down. Uh, he's gonna talk about his love it, like it, talk me into it, and hate it. Then we'll talk to Craig about some trade scenarios, some players that could be available, and uh, that'll do it for the last episode of the uh, AP Draft Show before the draft actually happens. Just as a reminder, we're gonna be. In studio, talking on Arrowhead Pride at uh, on Thursday without a pick, which is great. Talking about everyone else's talking picks. Talking about everyone else's picks. And then Friday and Saturday, you will get podcasts breaking down day two and day three of the draft with me, with Jake, with Craig, with Maddie. All right. We will be back with Maddie right after this. You can find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. You can find him most likely on the front page of arrowheadpride.com right now because he already has a Frank Clark article up. Maddie Lane, what's up, man? You how long ago did you write this how long ago did you write this article? I've been sitting on this bad boy for about a week. When the rumors started flowing, it just made too much sense to me, just based on Frank Clark's just like player makeup how he plays, the Chiefs' needs, and just what they've been talking about all offseason to ignore the smoke. And as the smoke kept picking up, it was just, it made a lot of sense for the Chiefs to make the move. And then Craig actually started getting me a little concerned talking about how the Chiefs usually work more in the shadows with these big moves. You don't hear as much about them. So I started to think that this whole post I wrote up a week ago was going to be for nothing. But then today, it came through. All that smoke meant exactly what we thought. And I was glad that I could literally just go through, post some clips that I'd already had saved up. Like, I did all this work over a week ago, so it made it a lot easier. Maybe I'll start doing this for every potential prospect uh, or player will sign in free agency. The commitment to the grind. And this is not the first article we've written that has not seen the light of day. We're just very committed. There may be a few out there that can be rehashed in a year or two. Yeah, maybe. Okay, you broke down Frank Clark. Uh, Frank Clark, what do you see in him? Man, I think Frank Clark's the kind of guy that when you first watch, whether it's a live game or just a quick run through, like you think he's a very good pass rusher. You see a lot of guys that you're going to put him up there with the upper tier guys, maybe not elite tier, but that second tier pass rushers. You think he's really good. He consistently wins, but you're just kind of wondering. I think when you're done, is how good was he actually doing? Like, was he really elite or was he just okay? 
But it's when you go back through and just watch him, or especially watch him through multiple games, he is so consistent in the ways he's able to win, and there's so many of them. There's very rarely a guy that's got kind of his burst in athleticism that can win with power over and over again, despite offensive tackles knowing it's coming. And the amount of times that he just puts his foot in the ground, turns his speed into power, and runs right through a tackle's inside shoulder, it's just absurd how often it works for him. So he is a top-tier pass rusher. Like It may not show, like I said, on that first watch, but when you start to see where his hands are placed, how quickly he puts his foot in the ground and flips his hips to the quarterback to run through somebody, it's fantastic. He's top-tier as a pass rusher, and he's a good run defender. He's 270-plus pounds. He's long. He's strong. I know that's one of Jake's favorite <laughs> sayings, so I got to work it in here. And he's able to work through blockers. He's reading the running back. He's working through blockers, tight ends, tackles. It doesn't matter. He's a complete player that I think you just got to give a little bit more time because how he wins isn't super flashy like D Ford's speed rush, but it's just consistent and so technical, and the power that he has in his hands is fantastic. Uh, okay, so Maddie, what do you think about what they gave up for Frank Clark to pay him $105 million over five years with $64 million guaranteed? What do you feel about the compensation? So, I mean, I will be honest, I was hoping to give up pick 61 and then a second round pick next year. So I was hoping to give up two twos to get them. I didn't want to have to give up the first round pick. But like I said, I've been thinking about this for at least over a week now. And as it got closer to today, I just thought it was the move. It was if we gave up a first round pick, it was going to happen. Like I was fine with pick 29. The news comes out that it's 29 and a 2020 second round pick next year. It's probably a little, it's on the higher end of what I feel comfortable with, but I do feel comfortable with it. Once you break down the numbers, in reality, depending on what chart you want to use, it comes in between the value of the 21st to 24th pick in the NFL draft, which if I'm trading that level of pick for a proven, young, you know, borderline all pro, pro bowl type defensive end or pass rusher, like I can't complain about that. No, and I don't. I don't blame you either. Uh, I, I've I've kind of come to grips with, and I feel a lot more comfortable over time. We were talking about earlier with Jake. I mean, the Chiefs, if they were going to trade a third, let's just say it was a third to trade up to twenty-one for Clellan Farrell. I mean, you're not getting this production in Pat's rookie contract window, you know, for with, with Clellan Farrell, and you're giving more in draft capital. The optics and the way everything kind of was all over the board with you know, moving pieces and parts like third round pick swaps and the best or the worst of the, you know, second round picks that they're giving up. I think it all kind of like just was almost a distraction. But when you kind of just sit down and look at it, I mean, the value's not terrible. Right. And I think with the big money argument versus paying a rookie is people have to understand too, even if you get lucky enough to get a trade up for a Montez Sweat or Cleveland Farrell, you're looking at at least two, probably closer to three years before they develop to be up to his level. Like they may still be good right. when they're younger, but you're going to spend a couple of years developing them. So you're really only savings in terms of cash per like productive play is that fourth year. It's one year of savings before you got to pay them the fifth year. And if you like them, you're going to restructure before that anyway. So there's no real savings except for that fourth year when you're looking at the production they're giving you. So that's why I really don't understand the money argument unless you're just simply saying, I don't want the Chiefs to spend any money. And I mean, it's I understand that it's not my money, so it's easy to say, but this money's got to go somewhere. Like you can't just hold on to it and roll it over every year or you're in a risk being the Cincinnati Bengals. And I mean, I think we all are aware that's not the best way to run a team. No. And they've not done anything in a long time. Okay. Maddie, 
Give me a love it, a like it, a talk me into it, and a hate it in that 61 to 63 range. All right. So, like, yeah, we've had to adjust kind of our draft plan a little bit here a just lot. because we now have we have this hit. You have the hit in the first round. You traded your 29th overall pick and you got your hit. You can be not necessarily riskier with the later picks in the draft, but you don't have to go up and make sure you get a guy that's going to work out because you've already got a guy that's helping your team this year. You can have a little bit more developmental guys. You obviously don't need a pass rusher anymore. So my love it, he would have to fall a little bit for me, but Hakeem Butler, I think he's just the perfect wide receiver for the Chiefs and his ability to affect the field deep, intermediate, and short. I know some people aren't as big on his abilities as a receiver, but I think you've seen enough people that have been ex-wide receivers or coached wide receivers say that they feel like they could fix his hands just by watching him because it's concentration drops or just how he positions his hands to catch the ball. Not concerned about the drops, and I really do think that he's got the highest upside of anybody in this class. A guy that I like is Joan Williams, cornerback out of Vanderbilt. Super big. I think he's going to be perfect for a team that plays a little bit more zone. I love his ability to use, be physical at the line of scrimmage, use the sideline, and then play the ball. He's not going to be a fit for every scheme, but I think he'd work really well in what the Chiefs are going to run this year. I talked me into a guy, another cornerback. That's going to be a little bit of a theme there, I think, with the Chiefs draft. You're going to see a lot of secondary guys coming out from all of us. But DeAndre Baker. I'm not a huge fan of DeAndre Baker, but I think at the end of the second round, if the Chiefs take him, I think you could talk me into it based on the safe floor. With Baker, you know you're getting a guy that's probably going to compete for a starting job at some point in time this year, which is something the Chiefs can use. And then if he's good enough, you can move on from another corner next year. He's just a guy that's going to slide in and play right away, and that gives you two hits real quick early on in the draft. And finally, hate it. Any running back, Daryl Henderson, Josh Jacobs, if he makes there, I don't care. It's a running back. Wait until day three, if at all. It just simply does not matter. It's all about the run blocking and the passing game. The running back is going to add such little value to the team. That's Matty Lane. Thanks for doing that write-up a week early, buddy. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Oh, I got you. And then tomorrow, we're going to have a whole Chiefs-specific big board dropping on Arrowhead Pride. So we got more stuff coming. All the all the articles coming out now that I got to use that week-old piece. Yeah, there you go. I got some more stuff coming in the next couple of days, too. But thanks, bud. You can find him on Twitter, at BarleyHop. Craig Stout is in the building. What's up, buddy? I'm in the building? Well, I'm sitting here next to you guys? The figurative I'm, building. You're in someone's car right now. All of us go- are in someone's car. They're commuting to work. I'm going to be in the building with you guys in a couple days oh, yeah. for a, a less eventful round <laughs> one of the draft. Yeah, so me and Craig are going to be on 610 for the first round talking about everyone else's teams. And Jake's going to be hanging out with us, I believe. Are you coming through? I'll be there. We're just going to be chilling, talking, talking about stuff. Actually, I I did a production meeting with 610 today, and Ooh, we got fancy. some... Uh, yeah, I know, right? We got, we got a lot of cool stuff planned. We're going to be... You know, going to Nashville live for a lot of stuff. We're gonna be going to Pete at Arrowhead. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing all kinds of good stuff. So I'm actually really excited about it. Now, day two just got infinitely more interesting for the Chiefs because mm-hmm. now all their assets start on day two, Gregory. Yeah, that's uh, it. Got real, real fun in a hurry. We've spent 
so much time talking about day one of the draft and because i mean that's where a lot of people put their focus on that's the face of your draft class that's the kind of guy that everybody hangs their draft class on well chiefs don't have that guy anymore but they do have two second round picks and they're they're at 61 and 63 but we have had a little bit of a conversation here throughout the course of the day here on whether or not the Chiefs can afford to trade up from 61. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's a lot of situations that make sense. Jake, do you think that they could move up or should move up or, or have the flexibility now to move up? I think they have the flexibility, but I wouldn't, I'd be in the camp of not wanting to because this team still has needs. They still need to supplement some of these positions. And so I don't think you can put – they've already put all a lot of eggs into one basket. And so I would be cautious with moving up and getting rid of the other top 100 picks I still have. Okay, Craig, here's what I want to do. I want to run a few scenarios by you. And just let's talk through them and see, you know, maybe – what you would do if this situation presented itself and you know we can kind of talk just philosophically about some stuff so i'm going to ask you this one the chiefs trade 61 and 63 to get up to 36 because byron murphy fell into the mid 30s well the first thing that I would do is scream, Ryan Heisgebusch! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Only I, about because we eight traded people are going to get that reference. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> we traded up for Byron Murphy, but I would hate the value that they gave up for doing that. They have to hit on guys. I actually did a little bit of a thread the other day talking about the number of players that the Chiefs have under contract. That now with Frank Clark under contract for next year, they have 30 players under contract, and they've used up over 80 or over 78 uh, percent of that cap space for next year. So they have to add 24 players to field an active roster in the amount of cap space, in about 22% of the cap space. That's not a lot. They just need bodies. Okay, I don't know that this is an exact correlation. It's it's probably not still. But if I had told you... Actually, it, it's relatively close. Let's say the Chiefs traded 61 in a future 2020 second-round pick for Frank Clark. And then they went around and took 29 and traded up with their second second-round pick for Byron Murphy... At eighteen, I know. I, How would you feel about that? I mean, I would, I would feel better about the comp. Uh, not necessarily better. I don't feel terrible about the compensation for Frank Frank Clark, but the Frank Clark deal is a home run. I feel like that's a little much. I would be in the same boat. You know, they just they need bodies at positions I, I we were having this conversation a little bit the other day about how i i'm kind of coming off of the trade-up train a little bit just because i i want these valuable early round assets to add guys here and have future flexibility here because if you end up trading up all these picks then all of a sudden you're just signing dudes off the street to fill out your active roster and you're not pushing some of these players and trying to get 
trying to get some depth behind him so you can move on from guys that maybe aren't as good in future seasons. Just bring back Arian Springs. Hey, I want to bring back Arian Springs. They brought back Keith Reeser. Let's just go ahead. Come on. Let's go. Okay, same question. They, But a little different compensation. They trade 84, the pick they now have in the second round, and 61 to trade up to 43 for Hakeem Butler. And they still keep 63 in they still that keep scenario. Um, <sighs> again, I... <laughs> Jake thinks it's gross because he hates Hakeem Butler. Yeah. I I like Hakeem Butler. Uh, Hakeem Butler is, offers the Chiefs more flexibility with wide receiver. I know that we're all very curious about what's going to happen with Tyreek Hill and whether or not he's on this roster for 2020. I think the Frank Clark deal today may have kind of signaled that they were willing to use that money mm-hmm. that that money that was allocated for Tyreek Hill maybe two three months ago now is Frank Clark's I, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. just that's just a hypothetical they could still fit all those guys in but it, it does kind of seem that way a little bit Sammy Watkins is the biggest piece that you can get out of in 2020 he can save the most money against the cap if you needed to cut guys to sign multiple mid-tier guys. So in this scenario, even though I said, you know, adding guys, you know, I want to add more bodies, adding a guy like Hakeem Butler, if he sticks, maybe allows you to have a little more flexibility to move on from Sammy Watkins, make a couple more moves, and still be able to continue to have a good offense. And then in 2019, you've got Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Hakeem Butler. Those are fantastic receivers. I think it's important, too, to for exercises like this to remember when you're moving up, you're giving up assets. And so you talked about a cornerback and a wide receiver so you could look at it from the angle of, would you rather have Byron Murphy or would you rather keep those two seconds and have like a Sean, uh, a Sean Bunting and a Riley Ridley or, a, or like a Kelvin Harmon, you know, someone in that late <laughs> round two range. And I think, Craig, what I'm hearing you say, and I think I agree with that, is I want to take the volume over your kind of your pinpoint guy that you want. Right, and that's that's a little bit the case. Uh, Byron Murphy is really tempting. He is because he's one of the two corners that I think is of he's that. Bayron. Right, he's 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 Bayron. <laughs> uh, he <laughs> he's one of the two guys in this draft class that I'm willing to go hard for in the cornerback class. There are lots of other guys that I like, but they all kind of fall into the same sort of lumped tier, and so yeah. I think. If you're missing out on Byron Murphy, then after that, then yeah, I think taking the seventh best corner, eighth best corner, ninth best corner at 61 is roughly the same as trying to trade up for the fifth or sixth. Okay, here's my final hypothetical. The Chiefs take 61 and 63. They do the two for two swap like they did with the Bengals last year. And they get picks 50 and 81. So they're up and back with those two picks. They take Darnell Savage at 50. Still have 81, still have 84. How you feeling? I, I'm feeling a little scared about corner. 
in that scenario. I like Darnell Savage. Darnell Savage is, I mean, I'm pulling back the curtain for those that don't have the KC draft guide. Here's a little tidbit for you guys. Our <laughs> comp for Darnell Savage is Tyron Matthew. He's Woo. a guy that can play everywhere all over the field. You can kick him down into the slot. He can play man coverage. The Chiefs want safeties that can play man coverage. He can play deep. He can play in the box. Having those two guys on the field together allows you to mix it up and move them all over the place. It just gives you so much more flexibility. He's a guy that would be really, really, really fun from that regard. But at the same time, you are probably missing out on that second tier of cornerback. Now, all of a sudden, you've given up for Frank Clark. You've missed out on the second tier of cornerback. You're probably settling for a guy like an Isaiah Johnson in that scenario. Maybe Michael Jackson. He plays. Yeah, and then hoping <laughs> right away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And or Michael Jackson out of Miami's another guy that we could look at. Uh, but it's kind of that that third grouping down, and uh, there's more miss than hit in that group for certain. So I, I would be a little weary of doing that. I'd almost rather stay put, even though I would love having Savage next to Honey Badger on this defense. Okay, let's talk about that 61 to 63 range. Give me a love, a like, a talk me into it, and a hate at that 61, 63 range. Well, my love there, missing out on the upper tier of cornerbacks, I am taking the highest potential guy of that second tier that could potentially be around at 61, and Sean Bunting, I don't know that he will be. I, I don't I think could, he will. But, I don't think he will, probably. But He'd be ideal. He'd be he, like, we'd be loving it. Love. Huh. Crazy love. how that works. I'd be going crazy excited if Bunting is the guy at 61 out of Central Michigan. Sky's the limit for him. I, I love him as a cornerback project. He's a guy that's probably not going to play a ton initially, but you got your fourth corner, and you can feel pretty secure going into 2020 with him on the roster. I like... Debo Samuel a lot uh, out of South Carolina. He's a guy as a third receiver that would offer a completely you know dynamic option from the slot, be able to play a little bit outside as well. We saw him at the Senior Bowl. We've talked about him a lot. A lot of guys like him as well. I think that's a great spot to pick him, and I think that he'd be a guy to take that offense that next level. Uh, talk me into it a little bit. I, you know, I picked an interior offensive lineman, Eric McCoy, out of Texas A&M. We haven't talked about him much, but he can play center. He's got athleticism. He's got the ability to pull and move, and the, all the things that Andy Reid loves out of his centers. Struggles a little bit with power again, like most of those guys do. But if you did that right there, you know, we talk about the Garrett Bradbury thing in the first round. That's now a dead dream. Woo. Thank oh, bummer. Yeah. I was oh, going to bring that up. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if the Chiefs were just going to take Garrett Bradbury at 29, then I'm doing Oof. backflips. You know, Oof. like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Whatever. Yeah. And Eric McCoy here, you'd have to talk me into it a little bit just because, once again, now you're not addressing wide receiver or cornerback or you know an offensive weapon here at this spot so I, i'll be I would, real craig yeah that's an easy sell for me i think you think honestly he's, just, there? he's a 
He's, he's a good, good player. He's a so really good player. Just just hypotheticalize with me. Hypothesize mm-hmm. with me. Yeah. What about that? Okay. Let's say you take McCoy at 61. Okay. You take a cornerback, someone, at 63. Get your offensive weapon at 84. You can talk me into that very who take, easily. Who are you taking at 84? Uh, tight end, wide receiver? Best tight end or wide receiver available. Okay. Call it. I don't know who 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 could we call it. Let's hold on. Let's, let's put it, let's put a name on it. Let's put a name on it. Uh, let me just see if I Jake, can get my. Jake, who's who's a good third round receiver? Good th- third round receiver would be like Riley Ridley. I think uh, Keelan Doss is who I like in that area. Ooh, mm. Gary Jennings would be Ooh. really fun. Scary Terry, Stanley Morgan. I mean, there's good options. Okay, okay, never mind. And that's I, a good tier to attack receiver anyway. If they walked away with, they walked away in that grouping, I'm more than okay with Eric McCoy than in that scenario. So again, you talked me into it. Ha. Yeah. That's, hey. Yeah, talk well, me you into know. it. Hey. Yeah. That was quick. So, yeah. That Doesn't was quick. it feel like they've almost pigeonholed themselves into absolutely needing to take a corner at one of those two second round picks though you know I, like I, I how would you feel if they went into the third round without a young corner i'm mad be, I'm, i would be a little bit panicked uh, yeah right no i agree they have to they have to take a corner at that yeah. 61 63 range. i actually we've talked about this i wouldn't be upset in the least if they doubled up at corner in the in those five pick spans and take a guy that you think can come like if DeAndre Baker's still sitting there somehow in the second round, mm-hmm. I would take him in a heartbeat because I think he can come in play right away, his rookie year. Yep. And then I would take another corner like a Lonnie Johnson that's just all tools, and let him de- and let him develop. Hope you you catch lightning in a bottle. Yeah. I would not be upset with that plan of action at all. I mean, I'd I'd. Honestly, I'd I'd sit back a little bit. I'd wait till round five and hope that Corey Valentine or Jamel Dean. I was about to say Corey Valentine. Yeah. So I'm going to call it audible, and then we can you can talk about how much you hate. Yeah. uh, Yeah. (laughs) A certain position. Uh, Okay. Chauncey Gardner Johnson Hmm. has been getting a lot of negative. You know, me like. People have been placing him in the 60s. Is it real? I, I don't think Dane go top Brugler, 10? I think Dane yeah, had him in the it. 60s. I think Kuiper had him in the 60s. Those guys typically know what the league is. Actually, means. I heard Dane talking about him, and he said he just rubbed people the wrong way at the combine this last year. You know, for So take that for what it's worth. If that's why he's dropping, I could totally see that being a team that likes him a lot and it's just like, yeah, he kind of bugged us or whatever. It's just, it's so hard to, to sift through this stuff at this time of the year. It is we're playing hype. We're playing hypotheticals though. You, you know uh, who it makes a lot of sense to throw some negative press about Chauncey Gardner Johnson, a team that just gave away their, or was planning on giving away the 29th pick in the draft. No, the team no. that was getting the 29th pick in the draft. Seattle Seahawks have been the team that they've been that he's been mm. most paired with. Seattle just traded away their edge player. They can't wait until 29 to take an edge. 
Maybe they're sitting there looking at Cleveland Farrell, Montez Sweat, somebody like that at 21, and hoping that they can get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to fall all the way to 29 and take the guy mm. that they were looking at anyway. Maybe. Bummer. Bummer. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm, I'm seeing that drastic of a fall on some big boards. Like, it can't be just one team saying that, though. You, you like, would think not, but, you know, it's silly who season. Who knows? It is. It is silly season. Yeah. But so. Kuiper and, and Brugler's rankings being right. that low on those guys. Yeah. On one opinion, because they probably hear that about everybody. Yeah, probably. I mean, there, yeah. how many guys fail Did, the combine part of this? So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Just, yeah. just, just thinking out loud. For if sure. Chauncey Gardner Johnson sitting down there at sixty-one. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, let's go. But maybe I should change that to my love it. Yeah. I just. Okay. I don't think he's making it out around one. Can't. I don't uh, think we'll, so. We'll see, man. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, what would you hate? to happen at 61 okay. 63. I know a lot of Chiefs fans are going to dislike this because they dislike this current position group with the Chiefs. Uh, any linebacker. <laughs> I, I don't like this linebacker class, and if you're missing out on Devin Bush and Devin White, I think that there's not a major difference. Now, I get the Mac Wilson talk. I really do. But at this point, like Jake was saying, you have to add a corner. I would like to add an offensive weapon to give them some flexibility with their wide receivers next year, especially with the Tyreek Hill thing coming up there. 61 and 63, are they prime spots to be taking those two positions and really kind of focusing down on filling those with future assets? If you're taking a linebacker at that spot you are for you are pushing one of those back. And I know we just talked about wide receiver and that pool right there. And maybe that's the case. Maybe they're planning on doing that. But I just don't think that there's especially good value at the linebacker position. It's not a very good class at all. I wouldn't force it, you know, in the second round here, even for a Mac Wilson. And especially if it's not Mac Wilson, Blake Cashman. No, even though I love the guy, (laughs) Jelani Tavai. No, even though I love the guy, I just don't think you force that in a bad class into the second round when you can get, I mean, Brett Veach said the cornerback group and the wide receiver group was really deep in rounds two and three. I mean, why would you not try and attack a pocket of depth there rather than trying to force a linebacker? Yeah, it wouldn't make a ton of sense. Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to audible one more time. Yeah. Let's say this. Let's say you get your cornerback at 61. Let's say you stumbled into Jonathan H. Bun, uh, Bunting. Sean? Jonathan? Jonathan? Jonathan. Okay. Okay, you, you, you hit. Okay. 63, you trade back Mm. into that mid-70s range. Maybe Green Bay gives you 75 and 114. Jake, do you authorize this? It would depend who's on the board. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't matter. (laughs) I don't care about about what Green Bay thinks or what Jake thinks. If you know you've hit, I guess my whole point is if you know you've hit on quarter uh-huh. and you trade back into the 70s, just take the best weapon available, offensive weapon available. Now you've got an extra asset at 114-ish. 
Yeah, and and we've talked about that. Uh, that early round four, there's there's a lot of guys to like. Uh, yeah, I, I, I there's especially. I, I mean, that's that's a place for like Sione Taki Taki. You you bring that guy in in round four. That's a great spot for him. Um, yeah, and you're still getting a receiver. Of and some you're kind. still getting a receiver. We're still getting and an extra pick. Right. Maybe you get Terry McLaurin there, and then maybe you get Tristan Hill. Maybe you get Tristan Hill. Oh, here's a conversation. Um, <laughs> will the Chiefs add somebody to the defensive line in this draft at all? Yes. You think so? Derek Derek Nottie, Chris Jones are the only two interior defensive linemen on Beyond. the roster next year. Okay. That's and funny. Chris Jones actually technically isn't is right now. not, right. But I think we all expect that they're, at the very least they would franchise him. Okay. So, yeah. Sure, but right. I mean, right. it's naughty. Right. It is naughty. Xavier's but gone. Hamilton, Hamilton will be gone. Yeah. I mean, some of those guys are easy to sign, but... right. Absolutely, absolutely, but okay, but yeah, this no, is like, there's there's some there's some pocket of guys there, and it gives you a little more flexibility. If that happens, I am more likely to even though you slam dunk got Sean Bunting, I'm I'm going back to the corner well in round three. If that happens. oh yeah, I'm hitting it really. Again. Yep, I am hitting it again in that situation because then in round four I can add. A linebacker. I can add, you know, because you got your offensive weapon. I can add maybe an offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman that fell out of the third round near the beginning of the fourth round. I, that's where I'm looking. Maybe I you mean, add a Ross Pierschenbacher from Alabama to play. There you go. You know, be a in the center comp- uh, competition there for next year. So I've heard worse ideas. Yeah, it's not bad. That was that was about as close to pulling the curtain back like that last 10 minutes was basically a prime example of what goes on in our heads and what kind of stuff we are doing basically all day Ugh. yeah now 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 you've taken a look yeah it's disgusting I know. And now everybody's gonna want to quit yeah. this, is, this is why i drink so much <laughs> well that is gonna do it for this week's episode we will be back on Friday night to break down the second and third round of the NFL draft. You can find me and Craig on 610 Sports Radio for the first round of the draft talking about other teams' picks. Still going to be fun. Come hang out with us. We're going to have a good time. We will catch you all later. Later.